0: Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Sergio Cortez on the podcast. Sergio is the owner and creative director of Agape Creative Studio. He received uh, a degree in mass communications and journalism from Fresno State. And birthed from his advocacy work, Sergio also started a political multimedia studio for the San Joaquin Valley that is targeted towards millennials and Gen Z called You Spark Valley a creative outlet to deliver news to younger audiences through social media. Sergio was super fun to talk with and is really the kind of leader Fresno needs. All right, before we get started, just a few quick reminders. Uh, as always, we need your support. Uh, you can either do that by giving us a financial contribution through Patreon or by giving us a rating review. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we could really use some more ratings and reviews there. We kind of plateaued. Um, and we need some new people to write some fresh reviews that'll encourage more people to listen to our podcast. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, stop what you're doing, go review us, and then come back and listen to this episode. And now, let's go meet Sergio, and Baker will take us there.
1: to elevate guests. Politics, religion, culture, art, music. Show some respect to the best. Little city left in the U.S. Fresh knows best.
0: Fresno's best. So, Sergio, where do you like to eat in Fresno?
1: Where do I like to eat in Fresno?
0: Um,
1: I love my tacos. Um, so, I definitely like to eat all, all the taco spots that are, are available around here. But my, definitely my, my favorite ones are a Premium Mayor, uh, La Jaca Tacos, and um, La Elegante. Um, those are my favorite taco spots. If I had to pick the top one for me personally, it would probably like like Jacka Tacos uh, because they have a good vegan taco uh, mixture combo um, that I'm a big fan of.
0: Are you a vegan?
1: No, I'm not. I used to have a lot of food allergies, uh, uh-huh. so which by default makes me uh, vegan in the sense that I'm my my diet compromises of you know 80% vegan diet in, in some areas. Uh, because of uh, my food allergies. So, um, uh, so when, uh, like Jaca came out, um, when I first discovered, it was pretty amazing because they do a lot of Mexican food style with, you know, vegan with jackfruit and all that stuff. So it's been, uh, it's, it was really good to have that locally here because usually you have to go somewhere uh, big, like LA or San Francisco to kind of get that, you know, combo vegan Mexican style food.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Um, I had on, uh, the ashley's behind the uh uh eat figs not pigs blog who are the kind of the two vegan experts and they we were talking for a long time about mexican food and um you know just the challenge of you know uh having that be your culture and also not wanting to eat animal products and how difficult that is and i remember when i first had gracias madre which is kind of the one of the original Vegan Mexican food places that I'd heard of, um, and when they'd done what they'd done with the cashews to make some kind of cheese or cream, just blew my mind. And yeah. you know, I think it's possible with oh, yeah. the jack with the jackfruit. I've had a harder time. I've tried to use it at home and to like simulate like some kind of pulled meat sandwich. And it doesn't exactly, <laughs> get, it doesn't get there from you no, the no.
1: yet. We, 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 no, the, the home Jackfruit stuff never works. Uh, maybe we're not doing it right or something, but I, I found out that no matter how much we try, it just doesn't work. Maybe we don't know the technique yet, but I, I, I they sell the Jackfruit products uh, or in find recipes, but. Uh, know it doesn't compare to the professionally made stuff i don't know what they did to to make it feel like okay this feels like an actual taco uh not just something that's like oh it doesn't taste right so so yeah no um no i totally totally agree with you and um actually there's a there's a a big um, vegan scene in mexico city um and actually that's where um i found and others have found um, a lot of uh recipes that come from mexico city that are vegan and there's like a mexico vegan scene down there so it's pretty cool to see that and yeah a lot of the the meat in mexican food it is a part of our culture i mean it's just it is what it is you know so um for me like you said it's not more of a, a conscience thing it's more like you know i have food allergies and, and I you know there's so i can't you know do too much steak, I can't do too much carne asada, I can't do too much cheese, you know, so I have to find alternatives. And, and I do, you know, when I eat, a, when I eat like that, I, I, I do feel the difference, so I, I feel a little bit lighter.
0: <laughs> well, sure. yeah, I mean, you're probably stumbling into, you know, health by your allergies, you know, and it's for a lot of us that have no inhibitions, it's so hard. I mean, for me, mm-hmm. it's like with sugar, like, you know, the only negative outcome is I'm going to get fat. I mean, that's really it. And, you know, that's such a slow process that there's no, like a food allergy, you have this immediate effect. Um, so oh, yeah. I, I have one follow up about tacos. Um, if you're letting go of all of your food allergies and you just want the perfect taco, what does it look like?
1: Oh gosh.
0: Um, uh, the
1: perfect taco, I mean, it has to have cheese, has to have carne asada, onions, you know, cheese has to be melted. Um, you know, um, you know, um, uh, a- avocado sauce on it i mean the works basically um uh, for sure uh definitely it's just going all out so um i mean the closest thing that i could think of right now with with that would be la, la elegante it has you know um good like you know sour cream cheese and and <laughs> and uh and uh, avocado sauce on it um uh, is so it's a, it's a really substance <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. So, but again, like I have to be careful how much I take <laughs> for sure. Maybe, maybe when I have nothing planned that weekend, i like, you know, I'll go out
0: and just do it, you know, like I have nothing planned. getting a hangover, taco yeah. hangover. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, my, my, when I'm like feeling not that I'm saying this place is grungy by any means, but when I'm feeling like I really want to get down, I go to five, five, nine tacos and get their queso taco, which is basically just like fried cheese in a taco. And it's just, it, it's, I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that even, and like I'm a really big fan of the Tijuana style taco with like the cheese on the flat top grilled Mm -hmm. onto the taco base. So you get that layer. I mean, just more cheese, the better when it comes to tacos in my mind. Oh yeah, too. I, I, I've seen that. Haven't had it yet. I mean, I've I've
1: I love cheese. I, I grew up eating cheese. My mom would include cheese in in all her um, Mexican, um, you know, dishes. And um, but it got it just want remember one day start feeling something. It's not feeling right, and then like it just didn't get better. Um, so I was like, dang. So I definitely missed that. I kept tease a lot on Instagram by all the food places that introduce introduced like this new child a new cheese style dish uh so it's like oh, i can't have that i can't have that uh the jack has the um the vegan uh, cheese which is you know I, I, st- I still like it i mean i, I haven't been disappointed by like Jacka by something they they make that's like kind of replicating that mexican dish that has the cheese and all that stuff i, I haven't i've been least surprised i was I was very skeptical at first because I was more like, no, it has to taste like garnish And like, and I was like, and, and I, when I had first the jack of, jack taco first, it, it felt like, wow, this is amazing um, for sure. So I definitely... Uh, um, I, they come out on our hop, but right now, because of COVID-19, R hop hasn't been happening. So I definitely missed them in my neighborhood <laughs> for sure. So I um, haven't been able to enjoy as much of a Jaca of uh, taco trucks, a uh, taco truck, um, because they're not around in our hop anymore. Because of, again, COVID-19 is kind of putting a stop to all the uh, big events.
0: Yeah. You know, it is, it is tough these days and you know, there's, all the stuff that's being yeah. done virtual. I mean, you can't do food vo- virtual. No, that's, we're, that's, yeah. that's 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 the challenge, right? A lot of these things that are like the bread and uh, bread and butter of our cultures, you know, are in person and yeah. physical. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about you, Spark, um, yeah, and I it. want you to just uh, kind of give us um, an overview of what it is, and then um, make the case why Fresno needs another media outlet. <laughs>
1: So um yeah, um, um I guess for a little bit for for people to really understand USPEC, I think they have to understand how um where it came from. And you know, I wanna say about um I wanna say about seven years ago, um USPARC was in USPARC. It was actually called No More Slum Words. Um and basically at that time um I was, you know, living in, in slum housing uh with my partner um and you know we noticed that you know there was definitely um issues not being addressed um at our place even though we were paying rent and by you know legally we had the right to get these these, things fixed like you know no working ac no working heater um you know uh there there was just you know electrical issues um very unsafe um, and once we started talking to the neighbors, we realized it wasn't just us or, or just our apartment. It was it was a, a, a neighborhood issue. And then we find out it was not just a neighborhood issue; it was a citywide issue. Uh, but for some reason, it wasn't being it, taken seriously. Uh, in a sense of like, you know, it, it was more treated like, oh, that's how it is in this city. That's how things operate. You know, just you know, if you don't like it, move. You know, um, which is very unfortunate. In myself, because a lot of people can't, you know. Don't have that ability to just keep moving to a place that they are able to find that's affordable, but also, you know, safe for themselves and their families. So um, so for us, um, you know, I have a, uh, a degree in journalism um, at that time, I was running my own video production business uh, and my partner had uh, web design development skills uh, and basically what ended up happening. We decided to um, create this multimedia platform that documented the situation that was happening in our neighborhood. Um, but also, you um, know, we, we brought in journalism in the sense that we interviewed tenants, got their stories to document their the situation, um, and just started, you know, put, uh, uploading these, Im- these images, these stories onto the normal Summer website. Um, and basically, when that happened, um, we started getting more attention, more traction. Something that we really uh, did was uh, in- include the civic engagement component into it, uh, because a lot of these uh, issues were the result of. Um, policies that weren't working or um, or ha- not having ordinances that really were proactive in, in c- protecting tenants um, a lot of the stuff really favor uh, slum who really profited off getting away with some of the stuff that we're doing um, so so when we included that civic engagement component by like adding information how to contact your council member how to contact the mayor uh, we made an AC where we had that information available on our website. In um, some pages, like for example, we had a tenant that had us, that had a leaking problem. That there was a flood, um, wasn't being addressed, and and, and it was, there was mold, and he was getting sick. It was an elderly gentleman, and so we posted his story, and we added like a. A, a place where you could click on a button and it tweeted at the council member that represented him, like, hey, here's an issue. Um, so once we started de- doing that, um, it kind of exploded into, you know, we've got now, we've got City Hall. Uh, it's uh, City Hall attention. Like, why are you telling us the stories? You know, have them call, call, call enforcement. Why are you contacting us? Um, but the reality is that, you know, code enforcement wasn't, uh, wasn't solving these issues. Wasn't, it was actually more, you know, just giving the, the slow a uh, uh, um, a warning or just saying like, don't do this again, but it was never, no incentive for the slow to change. So, um. So we, our goal was to raise awareness and bring about, you know, reform. Um, And, you know, we, I I believe we're very successful in raising awareness. We, you know, we made it sure that people were aware and people were uh, advocating. A lot of the people that um, helped us out were young people um, that were very tech savvy. Um, This is the time where social media was, you know, just being used as a, an activism tool, um, but also what we heard a lot is a lot of people, especially young people, didn't know how the local government worked or what what, the, what was the process. Uh, so there's a lot of disconnection, um, uh, or just just people not knowing how local government work or or how you know what the city council the what do they do? What does the mayor do? Um, why can't we have this fixed? What's going on? So, um, so there, um, when it comes to national politics, a lot of, there's a lot of information out there. People are are able to find things. But when it comes to local politics, it's a little bit a little bit more challenging. Um, so, um, especially when we're seeing a lot of our volunteers or young people that are trying to understand the, the political process, they really care about their neighborhood, um, but they're just looking for the resources that they, that they are, are seeking to help them you know, be civically engaged. So uh, again, no more summers, summer, uh, mission accomplished. We you know, race awareness, um, working along with other community groups. Um, we were able to pass a routine inspection program. Um, and, you know, after we, you know, we accomplished what we set out to accomplish, we, you know, had a discussion, now what? You know, what do we do with No More Summers? Do we just let it be? Um, we, we, um, because again, we were just all multimedia. That's our, our goal was to raise awareness, to bring attention, to document these stories, um, including our story as well. Um, so, uh, so what we, what do we do? And some time pass, um, and then, um, you know, I had a friend reach out, you know, hey, like, I thought about, you know, doing something similar to what they do with No More Slow but it's more about local politics uh, and more for young people. Um, uh, That's something I saw here locally was that, you know, we have these traditional news sources, um, local TV stations and our, you know, the press will be, but they weren't reaching young people. um, And because young people were getting their information on social media. Um, So we decided to transform No More Slow um, into you spark and the name you spark you know a lot of people say u.s park which you know i can't understand the confusion
0: <laughs> that's what i but, said too uh, first yes yeah, yeah. i so, was like this uh, is so cool it's a national park <laughs> <Instagram.">
1: <laughs> national park Institute. why are there pictures of the national parks? what is up with all this <laughs> political <laughs> posts so no it, it basically you know we we wanted to you know play on the word that you are the spark for change you know if people want change you you are the spark so we kind of you know did the deal on the spark. And obviously U Spark Valley for um, for the Center Valley because we want to focus on Center Valley issues, but you know, U Spark for short. Um, so we kept that, that same desire to inform our community about these the issue. Now it's not just slum housing, but it's you know other issues, um, provide information in a context that's very accessible. Um, you know, there the, we do a lot of you know cliff note representation, like here's the breakdown, what's happening. If you want to learn more, you can dive deeper by you know, link and bio. Um, so, um, so I definitely, you know why we need another news source is it's it's because really there's there's an informational gap here in in the Central Valley in Fresno, where we had young people that are really passionate about being politically involved and are being politically involved, but they're not getting the news from traditional sources that have been around here for a while, um, and they're looking for information that you know is able to to represent what's going on locally. And again, it's local, you know, not national, um, in, a, in a format that is accessible for them. Um, and again, social media as a tool. Um, and also not just information, but um, a news source that you know, reflects the same values that they have, you know? um, whether it be immigration or climate change, you know, like they're looking into avenues of, of being engaged with these issues locally. And, you know, how do we represent that in a format that, you know, here's information, but here's ways for you to get involved. Um, So um, we didn't really see that happening. You know, we we saw a lot of, you know, here's what's happening. um, And then, you know, you decide if it's right or wrong. You know, where our demographic knows that what, what they believe in, they know they're very convicted of what's right, what is wrong. Um, and, you know, we are definitely very critical as well, but um, and we definitely, the information that we present really reflects the values of our, our, of our demographic, which, you know, is, you know, you know, our people of color, marginalized groups, um, you know, that we believe that they deserve fair and accurate representation in the news. Um, and also, we, we believe that people deserve to live in healthy and safe neighborhoods. Um, you know, and also, you know, but who gets to decide that, you know, it's, I, I believe young people get to decide that. And when I say young people, I mean, gen and millennials, because we definitely have a, a large population of young people that are being involved politically in ways that we haven't seen before uh, in the Valley. So we're not replicating anything new. We're not doing anything new. We're just doing something that's been done already. That's been being done already. But we're more now like, putting it on Instagram, putting it on, on, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, we recently ha- uh, just launched like uh, two months ago, launched our, our website, um, which just gives us a little bit more flexibility to dive deeper on some of these local issues, more article based, more long form narratives, versus some of our social media posts. We do like, you know, five posts on Instagram about a particular issue. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, so that's, that's why I believe we definitely need a new source that represents the community that we're trying to reach um we're definitely not trying to compete with the fresco b or anything like that I, I really think that they're doing a great job honestly on reporting local issues mm-hmm. um but again you know um uh, if you're following journalism there's a big shake up in the journalism world right now where journalism mm-hmm. is going you know what's going to look like recently i saw that you know the the corporate company that owns the fresco is thinking about paying uh, reporters based on their clicks, <laughs> um, and those are some of the challenges that they're facing and it really is we can't wait for some of these institutions that have been built a long time ago to change for the community when they're already trying to when they're going through something right now we 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 if we want to change we want something that we want to see in the community we we have to step up and do it and I felt like I needed to step up and do this for my community um, and, and, and that's it goes 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 in, in any way like if you see something in your festival unified school Board that you just keep waiting nothing's changing and, I, and then people are going to step up and run for that position or if you're seeing something um uh, city council so like you know you're not going to have to wait like I, I guess what i'm trying to say I, i'm seeing a lot of young people not waiting anymore they're just stepping up to the play and saying we're going to change this we're going to do this and 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 the same thing goes for journalism you know the, um, I'm, I'm part of a, a national wide um collective of journalists that are Based out of different communities, uh, primarily communities of color, but they're not waiting anymore. They're just stepping up and creating their own new um, source for their community. Um, with you know, knowing they know their community best, they know the issues that they're facing, um, and they're representing those, those those communities in ways that is fair and accurate, but also um, empowering for the community as well.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a, a, a kind of a double edged sword, right? Like the big problem with these establishment journalism outlets like you know the fresno b is you know you have these <laughs> increasing need to become profitable and to lean into that uh, and that's true with cable news too it's you know it's it's what is what will people just glue their eyes to um you know obviously the upside of an organization like that is you kind of have some there's some hierarchy you know that people have to you know there's an editorial process that is hard to replicate on a small scale yeah but with uh with You know, I I think a lot of the virtues you described about, you know, what you're doing with online journalism are there. But, you know, at the same time, I also see the scary side, right? The scary side is like Russian bots and blog (laughs) and all the crazy wild west of like, you don't know who to trust anymore, you know? Like, so it seems like there is a strength in that. Yeah, we're going to get stuff that's more like tailored and also specific and also, you know i mean some of the the one that i look at is the slacktivists i'm a big fan of them and they mm-hmm. they do these amazing you know multimedia stories as well um, but what do you, what do you think about that that kind of downside to online journalism oh, the yeah. lack of trust the oh, lack yeah. of editorial process involved
1: yeah, and I think um, that's a very good question. That could be a whole three-hour TED talk right, about I'm journalism sure. and stuff like that. Um, you know, just to put it out there, YouSpark is doesn't have not any relationship with any R- uh, Russian bots. <laughs>
0: yeah. Everything,
1: everything it's us. Um, um, it's it's a very good question, and that's where journalism's at right now. You know, where journalism is at a crossroads where, like, you know, for so long. Um, it was very clear what the journalism institutions stood for, and and you, it was very well trusted. And and along the way, uh, these cracks start to sh- to show for some reason. And, and again, we keep going to d- deeper, and and then eventually, s- some people start taking advantage of those cracks, and then this is where the whole thing fake news came out, you know. And and you know here in um in in Fresno, you know the Fresno Bee is constantly attacked, you know, not just by The average jail bit by you know politicians, you know, as a fake news, you know, like building distress, Um, and it's really hard, and you know, and yeah, anybody can start a website and say, um, you know, uh, um, you know, X Y Y, wire, I'm, you know, the the international post or whatever, you know, it's it's very accessible now for anybody to do that. That those kind of misinformation campaigns are happening, um, and. You know, recently I read an article of, of uh, the GOP um, starting fake uh, <laughs> uh, news sites that look very legitimate that people in some of these rural communities. And that's scary, you know? Um, and I, I really don't have the answer for that. Uh, I think it's one of those things where we're in the midst of a journalism battle, you know? And, 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 and those who are very committed to the integrity of journalism, um, we need to put on our gloves on and, and really join the fight into def- uh, defending that institution and protecting it um you know it won't look the same how it always did it it will definitely look different it will look totally different you know you know 10 years from now you know it's going to look so different you know but um i think we're right now in the middle of that and, and it's scary because we don't know what might and how it's going to end up um at least for me personally how i feel is that you know uh it has to be trusted by the community. that's, that's, it is, you know, um, there's going to people, there's going to be people that disagree with our content, regardless, no matter what, you know, we could do an article why the color, why that dress is blue and people are going to be upset. Oh, no, it's not blue, it's yellow, but no matter what, We could list our facts, no matter what people are going to get upset. Right. Um, and, and you can't really, you know, you know, change those people's opinions and it's just it is the nature of of the world that we live in and obviously some of those people are not going to be attracted to our stuff Um, for me um what we have going for use is that a lot of the stuff that we do is very community collaborative you know we we work with people in the community they know us they trust that relationship they know when when you spark says something there there's there's some ground to it because we have those community connections Um, and and when i say community connections, you know connections with community leaders people that are doing different you know because you spark we we we're not in a sense um trying to um you know like oh start a for example what we did with no more so we're very activism based on trying to push a change policy We're we're more partnering with community leaders to see what what their story is what's going on how how can you know how can we share information that really is helpful for the community? And what does that, what does helpful to the community mean? It really means what the community represents, which is, you know, people want to live in healthy neighborhoods, you know, and that's sometimes might be doing a story about that, you know, meat plant, processing plant that's in your neighborhood that's creating a lot of issues, and you have to do that story because, you know, people really want safe, I mean, healthy neighborhoods. Or, um, you know, right now the discussion is with, you know, the, the, uh, police brutality. You know what? What does what does policing look like for a community? Who who are the people that are speaking about that? And we talk to those people, and usually, again, it's if people from the community that you know normally um, might not get represented in the news, or if they do get represented in the news, it's very um, through the filter that doesn't. It's not really fair or accurate for the community, and by that I mean, you know, going back to when the journalism journalism started, um, you know, the journalism room, the editorial room was created by straight white men <laughs> literally you know um you know and they were covering issues about the civil uh, uh, about civil rights you know they were covering issues and it was all through a certain perspective which you know and those foundations are still around in some in some aspects of, of and, and again the right now part of the newsroom discussion is how do we diversify, how to become more diverse, how to represent voices more diversely. I recently attended um, the investigation reporter and editorial conference. Um, It was a virtual conference and it's, you know, reporters from across the nation coming together to have different sessions talking about different issues uh, facing journalism or how to do reporting and um, I was part of some of these conversations that involve, you know, covering um, issues that affect people of color or um, some of the uh, people of color network, sorry, 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 some of the journalists of color networking sessions. And this is that what came up a lot was the newsroom, uh, the leadership in the newsroom doesn't really represent the, the, the diversity of the country yet, uh, which is a big issue. Um, and something that came up was like, we're trying to do stories and we get, you know, shut down because we're, you know, this story is considered too political. If who's setting up that frame that this story is considered too political, or um, my editor won't let me do this because, um, might uh, you know, scare away our, our white audience you know um, and it's you know those are very hard questions to, to, to you know to ask and wrestle with but um, we really see that you know um, the newsroom for a long time has really missed out on including people of color and i know we've made some progress there's some amazing newsrooms out there um you know i'm very ex- um, excited to see the Fresno of newsroom being very more diverse so that's exciting for me but I, again like if we're not tackling these systemic um systems that have been set up for a long time ago we're really missing the point so um so again like it goes back to building that trust in the community that people know that you're working to really represent them and, and look and, and sometimes you look like the community which is very uh, uh, it's very good, you know. So hopefully that answers your question. I know it's it's oh, a very <laughs> no no.
0: <laughs> it, it, it does it does, and I, you know, I think that the you know there's a lot of these institutions, whether it's universities or uh, you know uh, different kind of like media organizations, where you have you know very non diverse rooms that are, need to change. <laughs> I mean, non diverse not only. Ethnically, but socioeconomically too, right? Okay. Um, okay. You know, there's there's that kind of like subtlety there between those two that sometimes gets lost. But um, I I want to change gears, and I we were just talking about something serious, and I promise that this is this is on topic. But it's not, gonna, <laughs> it's not sound that way at first. Okay. So um, so when I go to buy beer on the weekends. You know that's a great way to start every story, right? Um, i I'll, I'll I'll get a larger quantity than I need for that weekend. Um, and I'll come back and I'll load it into the fridge, and my wife will look at me and say, "Oh, is that what we're doing?" <laughs> and one of what happens typically is I load more than I need for that weekend. And then it comes to Monday and I try not to, you know, I try to ease off during the week It comes to that Monday. And if the beer is in the fridge, I'm going to drink it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the nature of me. And so what I've started doing is putting like half of the bottles or whatever in the pantry to just keep them warm. <laughs> so it's like, it's not as tempting. Right. Yeah. Um, and I did the same thing with my phone. I took uh, you know, I had, I, I, I'm like everybody. I like to go on Facebook and argue with relatives. Um, you know, so I, I had Facebook on my phone and it became something because it was there, I would click it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, and so, you know, you're, you're an organization that's operating on social media. Now social media has some downsides to it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, people are addicted to it. They get, they, you know, it, it, it just elevates people Mm -hmm. when they're arguing with people. Um, and so there's, here's, here's my question. As someone that operates on social media, do we spend too much time on social media?
1: Oh, that's a very easy question. Yes, we spend a lot of time on social media. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, uh, and it's taken away from a lot of our mindfulness that we need to do as human beings. Uh, We need to be not always distracted. Um, We need to, what has been described, going to pasture. We need, um, and we need to unplug. So, So social media, again, is a tool. Um, you know, and as a tool anything can be easily addicted to. And I do believe that um that um that a lot, I mean, we do we do use social media a lot. I mean it's just it is it is what it is. Is it a very it's addicting something and you carry it around? Um you have the power in your hand that's very addicting. Um so you're just so, kind of um, meeting
0: people where they are, basically, right?
1: Yeah, right. we're we're meeting people where we are, but again, you know, I personally myself is you know, I'm the social media director in a sense for use part uh, 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 you know one of the social media directors right now um is that you know I need to unplug I need to really unplug I need to i you know what I you know practice is I hide my phone in a closet or in a in um in a cabinet and I walk away and um and basically you know I, I I do have a Fitbit watch that you know if I get an emergency call or something my Fitbit watch you know rings you know and that's it you don't have to check my phone every constantly so um, but against being being very intentional you know um you know and, and people should know their limits to know to people should know what they're able to do or not it's you know it's it's never going to go away. Social media is always going to be there in one form or another. Facebook might go away. Instagram might go away, but social media itself, it's, it's never going away. So we just have to be um, very intentional of, you know, how do we approach and everyone's different, you know, everyone, you know, someone might be, do social media for eight hours a day and not feel anything, (laughs) you know, feel fine. You know, I can't do that. Uh, I'll start feeling a little bit grouchy and a little bit, you know, why? Because I haven't been alone with my thoughts, that emotions I need to process or whatever, you know. So I'm um, definitely um, you know, uh, again, we recognize that social media is a tool and it, it, it should be used responsibly. You know? yeah. And so, I think
0: um, you know, I I'm definitely not like a like an anti technology person, far from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's telling that a lot of the people that run these large social media organizations have very strict rules for their children. Uh, that should tell you everything you need to know. And, and I think you would agree, like someone that's reading you spark, you know, perhaps after they get done reading your post with that day, they should put their phone down and go read a book or yeah. a magazine article yeah. or heaven forbid a newspaper article <laughs> or something or yeah. something, you know, like you. I, I, I'm kind of, uh, of the opinion that, you know, all things in moderation probably is the best oh, yeah. way to live and, you know, flat rejecting social media as something that's only destructive, I think is having your head in the sand. It's saying, I'm going to reject the future because it's, you know, because people are overusing it, you know, I mean, you, I, you know, I, just because someone overuses wine doesn't mean I'm going to not have a good Cabernet with my steak or whatever. Like that's just, you know what I mean? Like it's, and I think there's a lot of loud voices on either side. Now, admittedly with my, uh, I'm a teacher with my students, you know, I Mm. see the toxic effects of spending too much time on social media. You know, ultimately uh, I I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's a tool and I think, uh, but ultimately I want people to just get out and to not just fixate on it. And speaking of getting out, um, we're going to talk about getting out South of Shaw. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> I, I want, so what, when I moved here to Fresno, um, I heard a few phrases. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm, it's only been a few years since I've been here, but I heard a few phrases <laughs> and it, the first, when I first moved here, it was South of Shaw. And recently I've heard South of Herndon a few times. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that there's a brewery being opened called South of Shaw Brewing. Which is <laughs> And so my question to you as someone that does not, that lives south of Shaw, what do people that live north of Shaw or Herndon, we can go as far as Herndon, let's just say Herndon, what do people north of Herndon misunderstand about their city?
1: Well, it's a very complex question because I really, you know, don't think there's, there's something that they misunderstand. Um, you know and you know i i really think that a lot of things have changed in the sense that there's a lot of people south of shaw that are that have grown and were raised in south of shaw they're actually moving north of shaw um you know right. I, I think that that is happening i i think that you know we have people that you know now with the hop scene we have a lot of people that are, are familiar with south of shaw i think um, uh, um but i think definitely um um What my thing is that if if you live North of Shaw and you feel that South of Shaw, I I guess let me rephrase that. If you live North of Shaw, you do have a responsibility to be a citizen and advocate for South of Shaw, more so than the North of Shaw, if that makes sense. Um, Because, you know, um, North of Shaw, North of Hender now, there's, there's a lot of resources, economic resources, retail businesses, um, I heard someone say it's easier to start a business up in North Fresno for various reasons, um, not just because it's, you know, people have money up there it's just because, you know, people are able to access what they need to to start a business up there. So I think there's a responsibility that I feel that, you know, people that do live um, in in an area of town that has been developed more um and has not been, you know, the resources have been there, has not, has been, hasn't been neglected. They, they do have a responsibility to speak up for those communities that for so long, um, resources have been diverted away from, um, or in some areas, or police. Um, so um, that's where I feel that um, people um, from North Fresno or Norfolk, Shaw, need to do, even if you grew up, you know, I, I had a pastor once tell me, um, and this pastor, um, you know, um, lives in in South Africa. You know, um, they 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 were encouraged by their family to not live in South Africa, and he's a pastor. You know, and he's like, no, I, I want to live here, and, and and this is how I want to advocate for my community. You don't have to necessarily move down here to be the advocate, but like, you know, speak up for us when there's something going on at City Hall. You know, tell your tell your city council member from North of Shah to vote for something because it will benefit the whole city which is you know mostly you know mostly sometimes some of these issues that you will affect you know for example the parks parks for all um even though that was you know uh, a city-wide um uh it was measure like you know i think it's measure p um you know there were still you know i didn't see as much of People from North Fresno advocating um, for that measure because we we South Fresno we like those parks you know we liked um, sustainable parks um, and you know there was a coalition that uh, included some voices up north but I didn't see that it didn't see the surge you know of of people like hey let's do this and 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 I think you know again going back I think we we have a responsibility to advocate for. communities that the city has intentionally neglected and left behind the reality is you know the the red lining in fressel did happen you know and um you know uh um urban sprawl in fressel did happen you know those are things that we're now seeing the consequences um and continue to see the consequences so i think you know again we are a city as a whole but you know if you live in an area of town that you know you're so grateful for the retail that's going on the businesses are opening up the the you have access to, to things that, you know, that your neighbor's selfishness doesn't access, you know, maybe you should speak up and say, Hey, you know, we should do, we should help out, you know, and not come into the neighborhood saying, we know what's best for you. No, know, partner with people that are already doing the work in those neighborhoods. You know, because sometimes we get a lot of, you know, well-intentioned churches move into the neighborhood. This is what this neighborhood needs, you know? Oh, you have a lot of shootings. Well, this is how we're going to fix you. And some of these churches are from North Fresno. And, and, and that's just, that is not okay. You know, you need to work with the people that know that neighborhood, that know that street very well, and you should partner with them and give them the resources that they need to bring about change.
0: Yeah, it's like showing at some showing up at someone's house and the family's having an argument, and you're like in the middle, of like, oh, hold on, guys, this is really simple, and it's like, no, it's not. They've been living, you know, the a family dynamics last yeah. years and their dynamics and lives and that's what neighborhoods are neighborhoods are basically big families and to show up and act like you can be a fucking mft and sit in the middle of them and tell <laughs> them what you know it's just totally crazy it's crazy yeah. and it happens that. a lot and you know that's you know
1: and again mostly from churches that you know they they feel like they have well intentions and you know and and, and but again I, I see that changing i i see you know I, I see a lot of young people, young leaders stepping up and saying, No, this is not th- this has not been working. Um, and we need to do something different, and this is why we're doing something different. And so and these are young leaders that are indigenous leaders to the communities, you know, that they know their street very well, they know why, you know, there's you know, there there are these issues, whether it be you know shootings, whether it be you know saturation of liquor stores, like they know them. They're 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 young people are smart, you know, and they know what is missing and what needs to change in the community. We just need to give them the opportunity and the resources. And Measure P was, you know, a lot of young people supported that and they knew what they wanted. And and again, you know, you know, the police chief at the time, Jerry Dyer was against it, Mayor Lee Brown was against it. And it's just, it just it's, and these people that are, are from, you know, quote unquote, um, north side of town, you know, and it's like, why, why is that happening, you know? So, um, but again, it's, a lot of it's just, again, going back to when we think when the city was founded, it was never founded with the intention to include people of color in mind. That's just the reality of it, you know, and we're still suffering from that, you know. Um, We, again, we have redlining, you know, we, when Martin Luther King came to town, there were the KKK or uh, whoever white supremacists, uh, you know, big Cohen bomb threats and stuff like that. You know, it's this, there's, there's a serious underlying issues that, you know, divide our city that we need to talk about and address and be real for and some of these conversations were really hard to have because it makes people feel uncomfortable um you know and again this um i don't have all the answers i really feel that there are other people that are more qualified to provide answers that have been doing a lot of more groundwork than I have um, in the community, you know, but I think it, it it comes to now like, Hey, where is the, where is the power in our city now? And how does that shift to the communities that really know how to use that power well and responsib- responsibility or responsibility? I can't even say that word right now, but you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the middle of the afternoon. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think my biggest gripe and this is just, it's almost an economic gripe, which is that, I feel like people and I, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing right now, but who cares? Um, I feel like people don't understand that different parts of the city need each other to work. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think about, you know, one of the biggest industries that I see around here, which is this kind of like the sprawl, right? These home developers, which feeds a construction industry, which feeds all of these, you know, ancillary companies that do the granite and the Mm -hmm. tile and whatever. Right. Um, you know, the, the people that are building the houses, those blue collar jobs, where do you think they're living? Right. And that's feeding your tile company or your carpet company or whatever. And then where do you think those people are you know, coming from to buy these houses? Like it all just kind of feeds itself. Right. And, you know, I, I meet a lot of people in North Fresno. I ask them, you know, what do you do? Cause you know, when I arrived, I was trying to understand the economy and how it works. And, mm-hmm. you know, nine, nine times out of 10, I'll hear something that is kind of a service industry job like medical education, social services. So your livelihood is kind of tied up in this too. And so I I I think if people saw things in the collective, if they saw that like, oh, my work is depending on these people existing, right? Mm. That it, it, it might it might give you some understanding that, hey <laughs> yeah. we're you're, all related you're, here. Right?
1: You're 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 basically talking about what a lot of young people already feel like we are all in this together. We need all to work together. We all have the same resources. We all deserve the access to the same resources. But there's very active and even sometimes French groups are just opposed to things like that, you know? Um and you know so, and that's why you're hearing a lot of the term socialism, communism now, you know, when it's just basic the community coming together to yeah, so tire you know what?
0: I'm so tired <laughs> and, uh, of that because like everyone's a capitalist these days. You know, it's just true. Like the Democrats, Republicans, everyone is, everyone is. And then everyone's also a socialist too. Like the Republicans have their social, you know, they, they give welfare to certain groups and then the Democrats give welfare to certain groups. Everyone's doing it. And so I'm, I, those terms drive me nuts. Yeah. Um, and absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for the libertarians. They might be the, only, <laughs> socialist, but they also are just not real either. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, I want to talk about policing and we've got kind of two more topics before we close up. Um, so we have this uh, Fresno commission on police reform that's been started kind of as a uh not, uh, why was I about to say accident? No, as a consequence, <laughs> as a consequence of uh, a lot of the protests that have gone on. Um, and I, I'm just going to be completely frank. I'm skeptical. I am very skeptical. Um, just as someone that works for the government and knows how unions work, I, you know, I mean, to, to, you know, I, I, I want to be hopeful, you know, I, I, you know, every, every ounce of my heart wants to be hopeful, but I also know what change looks like in large organizations. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my question to you is, do you believe that uh, this commission will have uh, m- a meaningful impact on policing in Fresno.
1: Um, I, I've, I've sat in,
0: well, virtually, um, with
1: some of the meetings, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to say if it will have a meaningful impact or not, really. Um, you know, we go off by the history in Fresno, which the history tells mm-hmm. us no. <laughs> it won't create any change, no impact. Um, or we could go into that, you know, human nature of feeling like, okay, maybe this is the time, maybe this is the now, maybe this will happen, you know, maybe this, you know, having the hope, um, you know, I kind of fall in between where, um, you know, I recognize the history, the long history of things being promised or said for our city and nothing happened, especially when it comes to policing, um, you know, um, um, and nothing changing, you know, but also I want to believe that there is wiggle room or or momentum that does bring change that we might you know not see it now but we might see it five years from now um but again i i also believe that every single individual they have different expectations what that change looks like and i for me i personally can speak for what i want to see happen and you know i want to see radical change you know and and and, um and that's what i want to see and what i feel and and i feel the they feel that the the Fresno Commission for Police Reform will, will meet that need that I have. I don't think so. You know whether a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people feel the same way I, I, as I do, but um, but against the radical change I'm talking about is, is, you know, um, you know, it's 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 not just specific to Fresno, but nationwide. You know, um, we we have these officers that are committing things that are that are very, very you know, especially committing committing things against. Um, people of color, and there are no serious consequences uh, for these officers. There is no, no serious. They just get fired and get hired somewhere else, uh, or sometimes they don't get fired. You know, it, it becomes well. Well, we'll review our policy. You know, and you know, and, and people are dying. You know, and it's it's a systemic nationwide issue. Um, and whether we, whether Fresno is able to make a dent in that systemic nation, uh, nationwide issue, that's, that just seems too much, too impossible. You know, it, it really, it needs to be a nationwide conscious decision to look at how, look where, where, why we have, we, why in the first place we have police departments, you know, look at, because I'm a big believer for, for, for progress to happen, we really have to acknowledge our past. confront our past i'm a big believer of that there has to be that that healing that restoration of like this is why this was created and and it was it was created with under this this um uh bias or this you know you know what this intent um to harm our communities of color um and we have to talk about that and i feel some of these discussions that happen in these circles don't acknowledge that. They just jump in, okay, where we're at right now. Okay, okay, well, maybe we could change that. It's like, no, you're not recognizing the historic uh, issue that we have been facing as a nation. So I guess I, I wanna be remain hopeful that there is some kind of tangible result. Do I believe it's the radical change that I desire as a person? No, I don't think so. And I think for that to happen, we really need to have uh, uh, we really need to have a different level of consciousness for our entire city. And that's really hard right now because it's, it's, you know, you have, you know, if you don't, if you didn't grow up in the hood and you didn't experience the things that you experienced in the hood, it's really hard for you to understand what people that grew up in the hood, say, you know, really understand, like for someone, for me, you know, I'm an immigrant, um, and. You know i used to work in the fields and we used to get harassed all the time by fresno county the police, uh, sheriff's department um asking us for our licenses asking us for why you're out here and we see your license oh you don't have a license well we're patrolling your car even though that we you know that the law you know require the this the country the the state this valley require the workforce to work in the fields but you didn't but we're not you but you you, you had the expectation to, for, for for immigrants to work in the fields but you didn't provide and at this this, is, this this time was when, before California passed that law that allowed um, undocumented immigrants to get licenses you know um, you know we, we I saw that in the first hand, you know that you know these shares were out there harassing my community um, but again and, and, and especially uh, if, if you look a certain way um, so um, you know for me like again like, I really want to see that radical change and and, and I don't want that to happen anymore, you know but again there has to be this nationwide consciousness that hey there's we, we haven't been treating people of color, uh, especially our, our black brothers and sisters uh, fairly and we have to acknowledge that we have to dismantle the systems. we have to you know redo it's like building new things on top of a foundation that was never built uh, built, to include, <laughs> again, people of color, you know, and I keep going back to that because I feel that's very important. So, so um, again, I don't have a, a good answer, but I want to remain hopeful. I want to believe that, that there will be change. Um, and if there isn't change, you know, it's, we hit the streets again, and again, and again, and, and again, until we are able to to bring that change that we need to bring um so hopefully that provides some a coherent response
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely well i mean it's just you know there's only you know we, neither of us have crystal balls uh i've got a ouija board but not a crystal ball I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding i um i you know i'm i'm realistic too and i i it's one of those things like where you you know you're hitting that stone and you don't know when hitting the stone is going to cause it to crack or not but you mm-hmm. just have to keep hitting it and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for, you know, uh, one of the strengths that young people. I'm, I'm calling them young people now because I, I feel like in my 30s I'm starting to <laughs> from that, and so I'm like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not. I,
1: I understand. I understand. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. uh, I call uh, uh, the other day. I met someone that that was, uh, we had an intern. I didn't know she was 17, and then she's like, I'm 17. i was like, oh my gosh, you weren't around when this happened. That's so weird. Uh, I feel I do feel uh, I feel definitely old, but then I have people in my life that are much older that just make fun of me for saying that.
0: <laughs> you know what's crazy about that seventeen year old? I don't know who they are, but what I do know about them is they weren't born uh when nine eleven happened. They were born. Exactly nine eleven. Yeah. And that I don't know why that's become the marker for how young you are, but it's I mean, I teach middle school and you know, nine eleven is a real historical event now and it's like, oh my god.
1: Oh my god! Well, we we experienced I, that, but they it's it's in the book for them. It's a textbook thing, you know. It's 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 weird. And,
0: I, think and about. I, I've been telling them this year, I'm like, COVID nineteen is your nine eleven. It's going to be the thing that you remember that is kind of like when yeah. history starts for you. Because for yeah. me, it's like the '90s were like Britney Spears and bullshit. Like, it was <laughs> not, like there was nothing interesting that happened in the '90s. I mean, maybe there was, you know, um, but for me as a kid, like that, that was the moment when history yeah, that was started the, yeah. and speaking of history, you know, I, we're recording this before the election, but this will come out after the election. Mm-hmm. So when people are listening to this, they'll know what happened. We don't. Yeah. Um, and this election is going to be real bad. I, I, just, know <laughs> I just know it's going to be really bad. And um, the, uh, the day that's an be- understatement, <laughs> very bad. <laughs> it's, 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 it's destructive to say the least, <laughs> um, but ultimately, you know, no matter what happens in the election, Americans are going to have to talk to each other again, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And I have family members that are on the more conservative wing of their worldview. Um, you know, I I don't I I guess I I'm, I'm progressive. I would call myself that, even though I don't necessarily like the term. Um, but I I think that one of the hardest things is for people to talk to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And as someone that, you know, ultimately, I, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. I, I went to, I was visiting my, my parents who live in Bakersfield. I was visiting them mm-hmm. and we went to somewhere for lunch for my dad's birthday. And um, outside was one of those recall Gavin Newsom booths. And you know, <laughs> I, 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 I went to college in San Francisco when Gavin was mayor um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I like Gavin Newsom. I, you know, I, I think he does a lot of good things and he's a very mm-hmm. smart guy. And, you know, even though I don't agree with everything he does, a lot of the things yeah. I think are really great. And mm-hmm. so I went up to the booth and I tried to have a conversation, you know, a legitimate, like explain to me, like why you think what you think. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I, cause I, I told myself before I walked up, I'm only going to ask questions, only to gonna ask questions. Right be as civil as I can be at some point, one of the guys just said, just leave. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and, and I was like, but I'm, I'm, I'm just asking questions. All I'm doing is asking questions. Mm -hmm. And, and at one point, a woman that was wearing a Trump 2020 like tank top, And like a bedazzled Trump 2020 hats looked at him and said, he's just asking questions. Uh, And he was like, no, he's not. He's being condescending. And those questions are all so loaded that I don't even want to answer them. And I was like, how, (laughs) how, how are, how, what can we do if we can't even ask questions? Like, how are we? So I, as a final note for this podcast, how can we talk to each other? Given your journalistic experience and (laughs) absolutely, (laughs) <laughs> Work with different groups, right? Local government has lots of competing interests in it. Like how, What? what is your perspective on how to communicate with people that you disagree with?
1: I mean, that that's a very yeah. good question. And um, and I think uh, it varies from people to people for sure. But for me, um, you know, as you we were talking about it, um, I was reminded of this quote that I have saved on my phone. Um, you know, we can't disagree and still love each other unless your disagreements rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and my right to exist. And that's a quote from James Baldwin. Um, You know, and and for me personally, I I cannot engage in a conversation that that is based on my denial to exist. Um, And there's just no, I can't, you know, someone else might, uh, uh, you know, a white ally might do that, but not me. And that's because of I need to take care of my mental health. You know, four years ago, when Trump was first elected, um, you know, I was attending uh, in in uh, an evangelical Christian church, mostly whites, um, a lot of Trump supporters, and I had to convince them of my humanity. Um, and 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 I was in church leadership. I wasn't just a member. I was like literally leading a Bible group, a Bible study group, and and you know, they know me for a long time. You know, I was there from the very beginning. Um, you know, not as a leader, but as a, as a member, and eventually became a leader. Um, and when Trump came, you know, came with this rhetoric of, of immigration, um, that place, these conversations uh, became very toxic, uh, very harmful to my mental state because um, they were saying "I love you," but they're not. They were not acting in a loving way, um, uh, especially when um, it came down to their votes. <laughs> Um, you know, um, because Trump really messed up my life. Because like, I'm a DACA recipient, and, and and you know, they're like, "Oh, sir, Trump's not after you. He's not going to take away your DACA." And obviously, we, we know, that's you know that that and proved to be true. Like, he, Trump did take away DACA, and then now daca's back, and it's, it's it's complicated. But in a way, like you know, here's someone from their church that has a, a good reputation with this church, being asked to have these conversations with people that do not believe, and it's it was very weird that. Um, that they agreed to love me, but they were not agreeing with my existence in this country. Um, it got to the point where uh, my mental health took a dive. I started having panic attacks every single day after Trump. You know, Trump got elected. My severe depression, panic attacks—I uh, was having like three or four panic attacks a day. Uh, I became a non-functional human being. Uh, my partner had to become my primary caretaker, and literally with the help of several people that were close to me, nourish me back to health, you know? So for me, when people say, oh, we should talk to the other side, I'm very, very careful when, when, with that kind of conversation. Because like, it means, okay, who's gonna benefit from this conversation and who's gonna get harmed by this conversation? I don't I, I don't believe that conversations can happen. I, I do believe that when someone already believes that you, your skin color, your, you know, your, the nation of Oregon is already, you know working against you and they're gonna fight tooth and nail and they're you know subconsciously to prove that you know well you know you know that's not it I love that church you know and you know I'm okay in a sense that if Trump gets elected I'm at peace you know because I, I've, I've grown and I healed from my trauma um, but I know a lot of other people are not going to be okay. I know a lot of young people are not going to be okay. They're going to go through the same thing I went through. So um, it's really hard to have conversations with people that have said really nasty things about you and your people. Um, um, so I, I really don't engage this. I would never have conversations with those people. And, and if I get invited to talk, I I have to look them up and see if he's like, I'm not going to debate my existence with someone. And um, just, you know, and I might, someone else might do that. That's, you know, that's where our white allies come in and step up. And, you know, I'll take care of this, you know, don't worry. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think that's, you know, that, that could happen and it should happen. Um, but for me, like, there, there just has to be, we have to recognize that for so long, when we say let's ha- talk about it or let's sit, disagree, that, that, just, that was just language to say, well, you know, I'm still going to vote against your existence and, and you know, you have, to, you have to talk to me because you're obligated. That's the civil thing to do. I was like, no, I don't need to do that. And, you know, don't be a dick about it, you know? It's just, it's, you know, I'm not going to take place of that conversation, you know? um. So, yeah, so I've been invited to other podcasts and things like that where I know where the people are coming from. I know what their agenda is. And there might be good people that really support Trump and, and believe that and they can have a very civil conversation, but everything that they're talking about in that conversation is trauma on me. And and it's mental trauma. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, yes, yes, I... I, I can't put myself in that mental capacity anymore. So yeah, so um so uh and I don't expect that with other people. So that's why when, when I do use Spark, I talk to people, hey we're gonna talk about this. Is this a safe conversation for you or not? You know, I don't have expectation that it's gonna be safe or not, you know, it's like, are you okay to talk about this? Is this okay? Let me know. Is it okay if I share this? And especially when it comes to something very intense, you know um and majority of people are okay they're yeah we it's it's you know working with a community that for so long has been marginalized repressant um, um um and we've ha- we have been very strong and we <laughs> and um but we also have to mental health is a serious thing you know um, I, I know when i started seeing a, a therapist uh, after Trump got elected, she told me that a lot of people in the community were were, were getting their because of Trump election. And again, it's not just a candidate that we just didn't like. It's a candidate that we knew represented represented something that was very vile and ugly of our of of, of what we experienced. You know, um, even if Trump wasn't serious about some of his comments, for that that comment was. This is real. We experience this. This should not be joked around about. So, um, so there's yeah, a, so hopefully, there's um, a big
0: difference between John McCain and Donald Trump, <laughs> they're, they're, even though they might support, oh, yeah, there's policies, definitely. you know, there's, there's, you know, and, and I, not to interrupt you, but I, you know, I, I definitely see my privilege. Um, I love, you know, using my privilege to attack things like that. It's one of my favorite activities, Um, because, and I think people are sometimes wary to use their privilege, you know, as a white ally or something like that, you know, like this, Mm -hmm. it's like something that should be only thought of from a guilt perspective. Um, and I, 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 I think like you probably need to go through that, but if you just stay there, you're wasting what you have, right? You're wasting Mm -hmm. what you have. You're wasting the fact that you can talk to your family members and work on them, right? And I, you know, I, I, I agree with you about the whole the denial of existence point because, you know, I mean, I, I think about it in terms of the LGBTQ community, which is like, you know, like you can take away their right to get married but still love them as if that was something that's possible. Yeah. Uh but you're not loving them you're you're loving your idea of them which which kind of comes back to the whole point of like a lot of these people that talk about these things are just talking about them abstractly I mean you probably know people that like Mm -hmm. are internet trolls that will just talk about something you know in their heads an idea they're turning around and that idea they're turning around is whether you know someone is going to have status or not like that's It, it, it's, it's not a, it's not a college philosophy classroom game anymore. It's a, you, know, and you so, know, it's, yeah, it's serious.
1: Yeah, it's serious. And, um, and it's, it's been, you know, like, you know, I would like to say that this country has been very nice since my arrival to me, but it hasn't. I mean, I remember when I was five years old, I literally got put in a jail cell with my mom with uh, cramming with other people. And that was my introduction to this country uh, in an immigration, basically um, um And it's like, you know, some of us don't have this nice picture of this country. We have some serious trauma, and Trump brought that up. And you know, having these conversations will we'll bring that up again. So, so yeah. So uh, I mean, like I said, I've I've done a good place where I, I'm in a good place where I've done a lot of healing, a lot of growth, and kind of you know recognizing that that I'm secure with myself, um, adult. You know, even if Trump wins, that's still going to hurt, and I'm still going to take some time off to process that. But I think I feel I'm at a better place where I'm able to recognize that, you know, the fight will always continue, whether Trump or Biden (laughs) wins, you know, that for our community, you know, the the fight will always continue. So, yeah, so again, like my thing is like, it's possible to have conversations that we really have to consider, why these conversations are happening, who is going to benefit from this conversation, who is going to harm. It's no longer, let's talk about this, you know? And, you know, and I have people reach out to me that want to talk about things. And I'm like, you know, I just honestly tell them, I don't have the mental capacity to talk about this. Here, talk to this person or do this research <laughs> on your own, you know? Uh, so I, I just, you know, taking it in little doses here and there for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, your job in life is not to help uh, insecure white people figure their shit out. <laughs> That's not your job in life that they can figure their shit out themselves. Um, I, I want to, I want to finish. Normally I ask for just kind of general book recommendations, but I have kind of a more specific idea, um, which is what is a book that you would recommend uh, to a more conservative listener as maybe an eye opener? And what is a book you would recommend to a more liberal listener as as an eye opener? Because I will say this, conservatives and liberals or progressives or whatever we want to call them, they both have blind spots, you know, and those blind spots affect their way to, you know, see the world objectively. And, you know, sometimes I think speaking as a progressive, we blindly think that government is just going to fix things if we just give them money and Mm -hmm. government (laughs) government doesn't uh, it. uh, If if it does something well, it'll do something poorly right after. Um, And I, you know, I, so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, are there, you know, I think both sides have these blind spots, and I think that reading and research are ways to address those to help people yeah. the world more clearly. So what would you recommend for those two different kinds of people?
1: Well, for the conservatives, I'd definitely recommend uh, the book that, um, I don't know if you had a chance to interview Paul, Paul Swergen yet. Um, yes. He wrote a book called Joseph Comes to Town. Um, I really, uh, I, and in reason I, I, because I come from very, um, you know, Christian background. <laughs> These are my time in the church. Um, and I really think that book really serves as, as a way to kind of open this discussion about right-wing politics, right, especially when it makes in religion. So I really recommend that book um, for my conservative friends. It would definitely challenge you. Um, and, and and post-origin, I know him and, and I know where he stands and what and his, his beliefs and his his growth in having this conversation. Um, so I really, really do believe that. Um, and for my liberal friends, um, um, I recommend, um, the very good gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. Um, again, you're noticing a theme here, uh,
0: (laughs) faith-based, (laughs) theme. so, um, which is a is good sure. thing. I mean, that's a good thing because that's kind of a, it's a common language in a lot of ways. Like it's the common language, like it, in some ways religion could, I mean, it divides us currently, but, you know, in some ways religion could be the bridge in a lot of ways for our country. Cause there's, I mean, it's, you know, whether you go to an Episcopal super liberal church or Presbyterian or whatever mainline church like I do, or you go to, uh, the most conservative Southern Baptist church in town, you're still reading that same book. Um, so maybe that is a point. So tell me about this book.
1: Oh, uh, the very good Gospels by Lisa Sharon Harper. And man, like um, I met Lisa Sharon Harper oh, a few years ago when she came to Fresno to talk about um, basically the church and racism. And you know, but where she brings, where she where she comes in, she's not um, she's not an, an evangelical conservative Christian. She's a very uh, progressive a uh, 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 Christian black woman, and I don't even know if she will like that label progressive I think she <laughs> but I'm, I'm just using it here for this context and you know she's she's definitely one of those voices that talks about you know what does faith look like and for me, what it means to me in, in progressive circles, you know uh, especially when we for so long religion has been used to uh, marginalize communities, you know and that includes also the progressive community, you know um so it's kind of hearing some f- i guess fresh words from someone that's not coming from very you know like you're sinful you're gonna you're gonna go help because you believe in you know your approach or whatever you know um uh um you know it's coming from a place that you know what does the gospel really represent it's through a lens of a, of a black woman um that has really experienced i mean she she was out there and in, i in, in, was in Char- charlesville or charles where
0: charlesville yeah
1: yeah she was out there like literally like in the front lines you know using her her and a few other um religious leaders putting themselves as a barrier against these white supremacists in their faces like she's she's she she just doesn't talk the talk she walks the talk so so i think that you know for people that are very, very interested about faith and what does the gospel really mean and you know having someone that has been deep is that is you know for me personally i uh, um i Decolonized my faith (laughs) and deconstruct it. And that has really made me feel more connected to God and more secure in my identity as an immigrant, um, Latino man. And, you know, um, I know Lisa uh, Sharon Harvard can really uh, um, if you're in that mindset of wanting to decolonize religion, like especially uh, the Christian faith of Jesus, you know, that, you know, she's a good source for that. Um, again, that's all faith-based <laughs> for sure. Is that faith is a big part of my, my journey and what keeps motivating me. And, you know, the, you know, I don't put this on YouSpark out there because, you know, I, I, um, but I for me, my, my desire for YouSpark is for all of us to learn how to love our neighbor. You know, our neighbors are experiencing different things that we do um but you know how could we still love our neighbor you know and that's just for me that's the ultimate thing Uh, and i and i feel that people really really genuinely love their neighbor that translates into policy that translates into you know how um, what resources are there or not it's not just like oh i love you you know, and here's a turkey for Thanksgiving and good luck and not see you next year again, you know, like, no, like, no, what does, what does that love look like as a neighborhood? You know, I really believe that the cornerstone of, of good politics is, is love. You know, what, if, if there is love there, like genuine love, uh, and acceptance, I think that we can accomplish so much, you know?
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me and, uh, you know, ultimately where do, uh, what, so what's the handle on Instagram and then the website? Um,
1: that is a good question. What is our handle? You know, what time is it? It's 4, 4 p.m. Uh, it, uh,
0: the,
1: the, the handle on Instagram, uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and it's just USparkValley. Um, you know, uh, letter U and then Spark, S-P-A-R-K, and then Valley, V-A-L-L-E-Y. Um, and the website is USparkValley.com. Um, and just find us, add us there, ask us questions. Um, I do, you know... Don't just use us as the source of information. I really want to encourage journalism education here, in a sense, read what the Fresno Bee is writing. Read what, um, you know, LA Times is writing. You know, don't just depend on one news source. You know, yeah, like we're local and we do this, but you know, don't just depend on us. And I really want to encourage other people to check out the Fresno Bee, check out Valley Public Radio. They do amazing work locally and, and are doing great stuff. So uh, Fresno Lab, I believe that's what they're called. Um, or Fresno land, actually Fresno land. That's what they're called. Yeah. Look them up as well. I mean, don't just rely on one avenue and also unplug, you know, take, take your brain, take your mind to pasture, you know, (laughs) Uh, don't always, don't be glued to your screen all the time. And again, I, I say this for myself as well, because it is a, it is a real struggle, you know, to be stuck. Oh, I'm playing Among Us for five hours. Now I'm going to yeah, go on Twitter and see what's going on. Oh, more Among Us on Twitter, you know.
0: I so, know. Um, I know. I mean, it's, you know, I have had I have those spirals too recently. Um, I don't talk about this much, but, you know, I, I love a good video game like anyone else. And I've been playing through The Last of Us Part Two. Oh, which wow. Is, okay. Which That's is a very... It's just the most amazing video game. And I, you know, I, there were some days where I really, <laughs> I needed a walk, but instead I got a cup of coffee and continued. Um, so, but I agree with you. Behind me are all the books that I need to read that I haven't. Um, and so I, yeah. I, I keep them right there to stare at me, to remind me. To yeah. get off sometimes. So yeah,
1: and, and also just to add and I know we're wrapping up, but not to feel guilty either when you don't get to read that book, you know, it's it's not about that. You know, it's the intent that you want to and the desire that you want to. Even if you read a page that's a good step, you know, it's like working out, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a, I do CrossFit now all the time and I didn't start off that way. And I always like, I didn't go to CrossFit this week when I first started and it was hard and I felt discouraged and like, I'm going to give up CrossFit and um, it's not worth it, you know, and it's like, no, you, you slowly build habits and you're, and, and also you have to be graceful. Some days you're just going to have bad days and you don't feel like reading a book or whatever you know Um, but as long as we have grace for each other and not feel guilty you know it's it's you know you you keep at it it's just it's that is the human experience just keep at it until we get at a place that we feel you know like we're at peace with that place you know so so, yeah.
0: yeah. So, well, okay. on that note, I have one more book recommendation because you just reminded me, of that, <laughs> uh, which is I'm reading this book that everything you're saying is reminding me of this book right now, which is crazy. Um, I read this book called uh, Aristotle's Way: How Ancient Wisdom Can Change Your Life, and I'd known who Aristotle was, um, but I didn't really, I, I mean, beyond just kind of a few little ideas that I got from some college lecture, I didn't really know anything. But one of the talk, one of the things he talks about is the way to really have happiness in life and is to have, have, have a plan and execute your plan, which is, you know, it's not saying you have to have a thing, but it's about having a structure Mm -hmm. and a path. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whether, you know, whether you can, you know, I don't know what the CrossFit lingo is for this, whether you can can deadlift 300 pounds (laughs) is not, but it's, 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 that's not important. What's important is like, are you going?
1: Right. yeah exactly you're no. going and and that's and that's how i do it you know Is, am i going you i'm know, doing this and that's right you know and and you know it, it, i definitely recommend if you want to uh, be consistent and clear that path start by making your bed every morning that's how it starts literally just make your bed make the pillows do the fold the blanket i i for me that once i started doing that it just changed my whole day like i accomplished something <laughs> and it looks nice so
0: yeah, I think so, there okay. is. I think there is a book called uh, "Make Your Bed and Other Things." Something, what? Yeah, there is a book. Uh, it was like It's like some some general wrote a book about like what <laughs> a philosophical treatise about making your bed and how it was critical. What? Okay,
1: that's true. That's so I will.
0: I will send you that book. I'm all. I'm. I'm. I love my books. So. Uh, awesome. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your afternoon. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you got a lot out of this conversation with Sergio. I know I did. And stay tuned for another episode, which will drop tomorrow if you're listening on Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I've decided to just drop three this week uh, because I had this huge backlog of great interviews that I know you all want to hear. So until next time.